We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Mike McGlinchey of the San Francisco 49ers, and you're listening to the Candlestick Chronicles. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Candlestick Chronicles. My name's Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. I am joined, as always, by Kyle Madsen of Niners Wire of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Kyle, how was your President's Day? Did you have a big blowout? Boy, did I. I watched a lot of Great British Baking Show. Did you really? I'm not joking. I sat here and I did some writing. And uh, my girlfriend and I crushed probably 10 episodes of that show. That's remarkable. That is it was it, it's it's such a good show to binge watch, man. It, you can just have it on in the background. You can look up, and you'll always see something exciting going on. Um, the British accents are very soothing. It's just it's wonderful. Are there any really good nicknames on that show for anybody? No, no, I don't think so. Okay, I don't. I don't yeah. Well, there's no. there's a new nickname that we got to talk about today at length, uh, Mister Big Chest. Oh, of course, <laughs> Antonio Brown, Steelers wide receiver. Uh, We're recording this on Tuesday. As of Tuesday morning, Brown had a meeting with uh, Steelers owner Art Rooney, and the two sides amicably agreed on uh, ending their relationship, thus putting Brown officially on the trade market, which has been rumored and speculated for a long time now. Obviously, the 49ers are a team that many people believe will throw their hat in the ring for Brown. Uh, Obviously, that's an extremely complicated idea with a lot of different variables at hand. We're going to talk a little bit about that today because Brown, Mr. Big Chest, uh, went on Instagram. Thank you for get, thank you for getting it right. Yeah, went on Instagram mid-workout, which is pretty regular for him. Um, by the way, I mean... Same. <laughs> Kyle, we, we both uh, have started following Antonio Brown recently. 
like because I follow Antonio Brown on social media now, I kind of want to demand a raise for my bosses. What do you think about that idea? I think that's a great idea. And I think you need to do it in the exact same way. It's just so time intensive. Like every time you go on the gram, there are like 40 different additions to his stories. And like half of them are food. Well, I shouldn't say. Yeah, a lot of them are food. A lot of them are him working out. And a lot of him are him just like doing really baller stuff, like being on private jets. The issue is you have to, as as somebody covering or writing about a team that could realistically pursue Antonio Brown, you have to like watch yeah, and listen and pay attention, even though I think 99.8% of what he posts is just meaningless. <laughs> right. Like he is so obsessed with his phone and Instagram. Like it's really remarkable. Like I know this and is probably chest. old news for everybody in Pittsburgh. And obviously that was a big storyline when he went on Facebook live and, and streamed a post game speech from Mike Tomlin, but it's just really remarkable. His commitment to social media in the off season. And I'm also a little bit stunned by, by his new nickname that he gave himself, Mr. Big chest. Uh, I'm assuming it's a metaphoric nickname, like, cause Antonio Brown is five ten and 181 pounds according to pro football reference. And I can't imagine he has like the biggest chest. So I just, I think, I I mean, this is a guy who's not lacking for self-confidence at all. Like, yeah, I, I, and don't get me wrong. He benches more than I do, like for sure. (laughs) But I mean, I wouldn't call him like barrel chested. No, Um, he doesn't seem like that. (laughs) And he like zoomed in on his chest as he was doing the video too. Very, very, It's like, I don't know if it's really that big, Antonio. He's got his taper on. Uh, You mentioned that. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, Antonio Brown is is officially on the trade market. And uh, this is a good time to talk about this because those talks. Real quick, real quick, before we dive into a serious thing, let me say one more joke. Okay. Uh, There is a 100% chance that if Instagram was a thing, Terrell Owens would have been doing sit-ups on Instagram, right? Instead of in his driveway. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's the same okay. thing, right? Like, it, it's the exact he, same thing, just yeah. delivered through a different medium, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, um, I think Terrell Owens probably is more entitled to the nickname Mister Big Chest and Antonio Brown. I agree with you. Is that fair. Okay. So, <laughs> um, the combine is next week, and so this Antonio Brown discussion is going to heat up significantly because the, the combine is typically when uh, trade talks like this would really start in earnest. Uh, because all the league's power brokers are going to be in the same place. So we've talked a lot about Antonio Brown and the idea of trading for him. And one thing I don't think we've really mentioned in all the different discussions we've had is the idea of Brown's contract and whether or not he wants to redo it. Um, So one thing that we did say is, you know, the remaining dollar figures on Brown's current deal are pretty palatable. He's due for cap hits of 15 11.3 11.1 million, 11.3 million, and 12.5 million over the next three seasons. And if Brown continues to be one of the league's best receivers, which he's been, he led the league in touchdown catches last year. Uh, he's the only receiver in NFL history to have six seasons of 100 catches. Really good player. He does turn 31 in July, I believe. Um, but he said in his video on Instagram that teams with guaranteed money. Uh, should talk to him and he's he's looking for more guaranteed money so it's been reported that on his contract uh, there aren't really any true guarantees left 
which means that a team could restructure his contract and incorporate new guarantees, shifting things around, uh, how that would impact his, his cap numbers sort of remains to be seen. Um, but it's, uh, I'm of the opinion that if Brown wants a new contract, like if he wants to completely rip up his contract with th- three years left on it and get paid, like say Antonio, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Who, who's going to average 18.6 million over the next five years with the giants, assuming he doesn't get traded. And we talked about that a little bit last week or yeah, last week too. But, um, if Brown wants that kind of money at this point in his career with everything that's going on with him, I just don't know how appealing that would be to the 49ers. Just given like, I I know he's still a really good player, but if he's not the same player as he was earlier in his career, and if he's creating issues in the locker room and he's having tantrums on the sideline and he's walking out of practice and he doesn't play in games because he has a sour relationship with, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo or Kyle Shanahan or something, then you have to look at this trade and say, it's not a good idea. But if Brown is a happy camper and he's super productive and you'd have to think he would be in Kyle Shanahan's offense, presumably with a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo, then there's certainly a good case to make that Brown could really help the 49ers push the offense to the next level. But it's a huge, it's a huge unknown at this point. Like Brown has had such a crazy last couple months that it's really hard to wrap your brain around a team making a franchise altering trade for a guy who walked out on the Steelers essentially for before a must win game and didn't play in that game because the coaches held him out. Um, there were allegations of possible domestic violence uh, in January. Police were called and in that police report from that incident, no arrests were made and no charges were filed, which has to be noted. But in the police report, Brown, the, the alleged victim said Brown pushed her and, and she's the uh, mother of his child. So obviously that is not an ideal situation for a player you might be acquiring in a trade. So there's just a lot of stuff going on with Antonio Brown on top of all this social media stuff, um, on top of him saying, you know, if you're a team with guaranteed money, come talk to me. Like he's still under contract with the Steelers and the Steelers ultimately are going to have final say if and when he gets traded and he doesn't. There, there hasn't been any indication that the Steelers are going to allow Brown and his representatives to control the situation and seek out a trade, which sometimes happens. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen here because the Steelers have, have dug their heels in on this and they're going to be the ones uh, paying Brown, you know, over $21 million in dead salary cap money over the next two years for him to play elsewhere if he gets traded. So it's just a really complicated situation. And just given all these factors, I just have no idea how the 49ers are going to, if they're going to pursue him or if they're, they're going to avoid it and, and just, you know, maybe try to find a receiver in the draft or go after Golden Tate, or maybe they push all their chips into to the Odell Beckham thing, if that's the direction they want to go. Um, so I don't know. This is a really, this is sort of a weird situation now. Yeah, at first there was this perceived risk with Antonio Brown because of the way his time in Pittsburgh ended, but it was still like, hey, you know what, he's turning 31, but even if you're getting 75 or 80% of Antonio Brown, you're still getting the best receiver on the 49ers, and there was a thought that maybe the market wouldn't develop because teams are worried about the way he left Pittsburgh, and 
it was like, okay, if the Niners give up, because what what we started when we really started discussing this, just kind of amongst ourselves as people who who write about the 49ers and watch and pay attention, it was like, all right, maybe next year's first rounder and a mid-round pick this year. And it's just this entire offseason, the risk of acquiring him has just increased exponentially. And now with this whole thing about he's not playing for, quote, unguarantees anymore, uh, that's that's a problem. Because if you're giving up assets to acquire Antonio Brown, and the first thing he does is go, hey, I'm holding out for a new contract with fully guaranteed money, uh, you're going to wind up giving up assets for a guy who may never suit up for your team. So this is something that if the Niners are going to kick tires on Brown, and, and I'm I'm sure they will, but they're going to have to really assess with with both within the organization and with Brown, uh, you know what this is going to look like for them financially over the next couple of years, and what they're getting from Brown because he said in his video, "You're getting a a hungry receiver who's one of the who's the best in the world," and and I'm gonna go play for for whatever team wants me. Uh, that that all sounds good, but his actions have have said the opposite over the last couple of months. Right. And, and so so I, I just I've reached a point now where I really don't see the Niners unless the Steelers are willing to part with like a seventh round pick or, or with him for like a seventh round pick. Uh, I, I just I don't see the Niners making that move. Yeah, there are all sorts of moves that they can make that would theoretically palat- be palatable for the 49ers. Maybe it's, you know, a second round pick swap or maybe it's, you know, a third or fourth round pick or something like that. Uh, just because of, you know, the way his 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 stock is just taking a nosedive and his trade value is just not what it was uh, maybe three months ago. So and, and we've talked about this before, too, but Kyle Shanahan is is so cognizant of of paying the right guys and inserting those guys into the locker room dynamic. He said it over and over again. You want to make sure you pay the right guys because everybody else is watching. It's not fantasy football where you can just say, okay, let's go get the biggest, best, most expensive guy and stick him in and it's going to fit. Like there, there are going to be, you know, in the, in the off season, 89 other guys in the locker room and they're all paying attention to who gets money and how that person acts. And so what the 49ers have done, particularly since Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have taken over, is make sure that they're paying guys who set the right example, right? Like the, ideally for them, everybody would be like Joe Staley, uh, be super professional, work hard every day, be, be the kind of tempo setter, tone setter that they want in the locker room. Those are the guys they want to pay the most. And that's why I think DeForest Buckner eventually is going to get paid. He's one of those guys. George Kittle is going to get paid. He's one of those guys. And you've seen them move on from guys like, you know, Rashard Robinson the first year they traded him away. Even though he was a talented player, he was a disruption in the locker room and at a position of need, right? The 49ers haven't been deep at corner uh, and they needed somebody like Rashard Robinson to play well, but they weren't going to put up with his antics. So they shipped him off to New York. Um, And obviously he's had his own issues since then with suspension for, you know, uh, I think it was marijuana and, and whatnot. So the point being, they're they're extremely careful with who they give money to. So if the 49ers are gonna are gonna make Antonio Brown one of their highest paid players, which he undoubtedly would be, uh, he would be their second highest paid player on offense, and probably the second highest paid player on a yearly average on the team, and that's a big deal. And so if Brown is gonna be on social media saying all sorts of crazy stuff, and if he's not gonna be 
you know, rowing the boat in the same direction, uh, then it's going to be problematic. And, you know, if you're not buying that being a problem, the only proof I can show you is what happened in Pittsburgh last year, right? Like the the Steelers are like one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. A lot of people thought they were going to go to the Super Bowl. And they had all these off the field issues with Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, and they end up not making the playoffs. And it's a lot like the 2014 49ers, who I would argue had, you know, the most talented roster of Jim Harbaugh's tenure. And because there was so much dysfunction going on behind the scenes, they went eight and eight and didn't make the playoffs. So the locker room for an NFL team is a very delicate ecosystem. And it's not just about finding the best players and sticking them on the field and winning football games. It's getting people to buy in. It's building chemistry. It's having everybody be on the same page. A lot of intangible cliche stuff that, you know, people don't always love to acknowledge, but that stuff's really important. And I, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are super cognizant of that. And I'm just not entirely sure, given what we know about Antonio Brown these last few weeks, that it's going to make a ton of sense to trade for him. And particularly if they're going to have to re- rework his contract and make, make him an even more expensive player. Yeah, my I, I've gone from the almost certain the 49ers were going to trade for Antonio Brown to almost certain they won't. Fair enough. I think there's a chance um, uh, if we know anything about about this new regime is that, you know, they claim to be aggressive. If he goes somewhere else, I would imagine they're going to come out and say we were aggressive in trying to get him um, because they sort of know the power that has from a public relations standpoint and an optic standpoint. Um, but we'll see. I mean, they do need a number one receiver. And we talked about it last week with with, you know, Pierre Garcon expected to be cut. Um, they, they certainly have a void there and they could definitely use another receiver. So, uh, that's the big news of the day. Mr. Big chest, (laughs) Antonio Brown officially hitting the, the trade market. Uh, the (laughs) next little bit of news is it's Tuesday. So, uh, today is officially the opening Tuesday, February 19th. It's, it's the opening of the two week period to give players a franchise tag. Um, the 49ers are expected to place the tag on kicker, Robbie gold, if they don't work out a, a multi-year agreement and uh, and it would pay gold over 5 million bucks. He's been arguably the, the best kicker, most consistent kicker in the NFL last season or the last two seasons, I should say. He led the league with 39 made kicks in 2017 and he led the NFL in conversion percentage or made kicks percentage, however you want to say it. Uh, he made 97% of his kicks this year. Uh, to me, it's a no brainer. If, if you can't work out a multi-year deal with, with Robbie gold, you give him the franchise tag, you pay him five million bucks and you don't think about it because there's a lot on the line this season in year three. Um, and so I don't know if there's a whole lot to talk about. Uh, the 49ers haven't used a franchise tag since 2012 with Deshaun Goldson. Um, but to me, it makes all the sense in the world because you don't want to lose games in 2019 and cost yourself a playoff spot, which could eventually lead to you know jobs being on the line if you're John Lyncher Kyle Shanahan, even though I don't think they're all the way there yet, but if they don't have a season where they're competing for a playoff berth, uh, then, you know, the, the pressure really starts to, to heat up and you don't want that to come down to your kicker. And so I would imagine they're going to keep Robbie Gold around and there's a really good chance he's back on the franchise tag if they don't bring him back on a, on a you know, multi-year contract. Yeah, as the as the talent gap in the NFL closes, kickers are becoming more and more important. We saw it so many times this year. We saw it in the playoffs uh, with Cody Parkey and the Bears missing a kick that would have 
that would have uh, extended their game against the Eagles. And the the Niners just can't afford to to put themselves in that position. They have a guy who they know can make kicks in their home stadium, which is a notoriously tough place to make kicks. And like you mentioned, it's a few million dollars. Like they, they have to get that done. It has to be a priority. Right. And, you know, they, they like veteran kickers. Uh, one thing and one thing to keep an eye on, I guess, is is to see what happens with Bradley Pinion or if, if they move on from Pinion, their punter, who's also their holder, uh, who also handles kickoffs. Uh, whether or not they bring him back is going to be interesting. And maybe they, they bring in another punter if they want to go a different direction who can handle kickoffs too. Um, so that'll be interesting because, you know, when kickers get hurt, it's generally on kickoffs because they're either straining themselves trying to kick that ball deep or they're getting blocked or something bad happens. Rarely do kickers actually hurt themselves on, you know, just kicking field goals. Um, so I think that's one of the appeals or one of the reasons why gold was so effective. And it might be, you know, an under the radar reason or who, who really knows. But I think the fact that gold, who's going to be 36, the fact that he didn't have to handle kickoffs probably helped him and it definitely didn't hurt him. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Bradley Pinion or if the Niners bring in another punter who could handle kickoffs. So why don't we move on? Uh, we're going to preview the NFL combine next week. Uh, I'll yeah. be heading to Indianapolis on Tuesday. Presumably we'll record another episode previewing the combine before that. Um, but today Are we're we going to record live from Indy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to bring my microphone and everything. I'm going to be oh, spin, yeah. spitting fire hot takes in my room in the residence in and freezing cold Indianapolis. Combine be- stick chronicles. Because. <laughs> Because I will not be spending too much time outside uh, in Indy in late February. I've checked the weather. It's going to be like between 30 and 50 and there's going to be intermittent rain. Um, Otherwise, I'm super jacked to go to Indy and and experience that. And you're just super jacked. Oh, thanks. (laughs) I've been doing my shrugs lately. Um, So, so. Uh, well, why don't we do what we've been doing these last few weeks? We're going to take one final look at free agency and, and do a little bit um, of a free agency preview. This time we're going to look at safeties. And safety is an interesting position for the 49ers because they have guys. They have young guys who have promise, who who played well at different stages of, of the last two seasons. But at the same time, there's also... Uh, there are also cases to be made that the 49ers need to make significant upgrades at safety. And obviously we've talked about, you know, having only two interceptions, the the fewest in league history Uh, that had a lot to do with their safety play. They played nine different combinations of safety throughout the year because of various injuries to a bunch of dudes. Um, And I I just think adding somebody on the back end, an an immediate starter, a difference maker, somebody who can play all 16 games, turn the ball over um, that could be potentially huge for the defense. Uh, despite having some guys who have played well over the last two years. So um, I think adding a safety, particularly a free safety, is, you know, I think the big, the team's biggest needs are at edge rusher, obviously. Um, receiver, now that they're moving on from Pierre Garçon, they're really going to need somebody to establish himself to, to you know, complement George Kittle and, and um, add a dynamic to Dante Pettis and Marquise Goodwin. Um, but I think 
you know, safety is right up there, maybe with linebacker as, as you know, the second and third most important needs on defense. Uh, Kyle, where are you at on, on how important it would be for, for San Francisco to add a safety this offseason? It's such a weird spot because, like you mentioned, they have players who have produced there before. Like, if they get peak Adrian Colbert that we saw at the end of the 2017 season, if they get him at free safety and Marcel Harris picks up next year where he left off this year, they're set. Like, that's a good young safety combo that that can can start 16 games for you. But the fact of the matter is they haven't been consistent. They don't have anybody who's played 16 games and really shown that that they can play. I think Jaquaski Tart's like a good player to have on the back end, but can he stay healthy? And is he better suited at, at free or strong safety? So uh, I put this at like a three and a half star need because if they don't add a safety, I don't think it's the end of the world because I think through competition, the the level of play would rise to where they can at least get two serviceable starters out of the out of the group they have. But I would feel a lot better about their secondary moving forward if they did add a a proven starter at that position. Yeah, so the the Niners have, like you mentioned, Jaquaski Tart, probably a better strong safety than free safety, but a guy who can play both. Uh, at free safety is probably a bigger, you know, true center field free safety than than would be ideal, but he does have good speed uh, and he's good in the run game and and he's athletic. Uh, Adrian Colbert, like you mentioned, didn't really have a very good season in 2018, his second year. I think the major issue with Colbert was that, you know, he's a seventh round pick who really exceeded expectations and was only inserted into the lineup his rookie season because of a fractured forearm to Jimmy Ward, who we're going to talk about in a second. Um, And he played well, but I think Colbert was was always sort of limited. and, And that was one of the reasons why he was such a late round pick. And he did play really well, but I think one of the 40, one of the mistakes the 49ers made throughout last offseason was not pushing him for that starting job. They just sort of handed it to him and assumed he was going to be the number one free safety throughout the entire offseason. And you saw him take a pretty significant step back before getting hurt against the Rams and going on injured reserve with a high ankle sprain. So he has a big offseason ahead of him because I'm, you know, there's going to be competition for that free safety spot because the 49ers have talked a lot about creating competition at almost every level this year. And I would have to think that they're going to look at what happened last offseason and say, we need to handle that differently. Uh, DJ Reed, fifth round pick last year, can play free safety and play in the slot. Uh, looks like a good player. I think he's probably better off in the slot than free safety, uh, but he can do both. Marcel Harris, like you mentioned, a strong safety, missed uh, most of training camp or was in and out of the lineup during training camp with a hamstring injury after missing his entire final season at Florida with a torn Achilles played really well as a strong safety in the box, physical feisty player. Um, At worst, he's a a nice depth player who could play on special teams Uh, at best. Maybe he wins a starting job. I'm not entirely sure he's better than Jaquasi Tart right now. Uh, Like Colbert, his rookie year, Harris played well in a pretty limited sample size. Um, But he's definitely going to be a guy to keep an eye on this offseason and in training camp because there is a chance that he wins a starting job in his second season. Uh, they round out the the position group with Godwin Iguabuki and Tyree Robinson. Um, so Jimmy Ward is a very, it's an interesting situation they have with him because he's a free agent. Uh, obviously, he's ended four of his five seasons in the NFL on injured reserve. Uh, his first season, he suffered a fractured bone in his foot. He 
had a shoulder injury and he fractured a forearm in back-to-back seasons, landing him on injured reserve the last two years. But when he's played, he's been a good player, particularly at safety, which is his natural position, which he played in college, which he said he feels good about. Um, I happen to think last year he was the team's best free safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and he never really got the shot to play free safety because in the offseason, they stuck him at cornerback to get uh, Richard Sherman's reps while Sherman was recovering from his uh, Achilles tear from the previous offseason. So I happen to think that if Ward would have been given a, a better shot at free safety, he would have won the starting free safety job over Colbert. And I think he would have provided an upgrade there. Uh, he did later in the season after Colbert got hurt, but then Ward got hurt again with a uh, with another fractured forearm. So, you know, I, his his market is going to be fascinating because other teams are going to have varying opinions on him. There are going to be some teams that like him at corner, like him in the slot, like him at free safety. And just given his injury issues, I have no idea what the market's going to be like for him. And really, I have no idea if the 49ers are going to want him back. Yeah, and he's been such a, like you mentioned, it's not that he's been bad, and he can play multiple positions. He can play uh, inside, uh, he can play slot corner, he can play outside corner, he can play free safety. That's such a valuable piece, and I think the idea was that was that Ward would just be gone after this year because he's been a largely unsuccessful first-round pick, but if you get 16 games of him, even if he's just a reserve player, who who fills in at at certain spots if a guy gets hurt or 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 isn't playing well? I think that's a valuable piece to have. It's just going to be a matter of uh, what the Niners are willing to pay for it. Yeah, and your value as sort of that utility backup, you know, is like a utility infielder, right, or utility player in baseball who can right. just spot start anywhere on any given day. Uh, but that player doesn't have a ton of value if he's not healthy. The point of that player is to be to rely on him to play when and where you need him to. And if he's always dealing with something, and even when he wasn't dealing with fractured bones, he was dealing with, you know, ankle injuries, hamstring injuries, quad injuries. It was just a little bit of everything with Ward. Uh, you know, can you rely on him and what's the price for that? And and one thing John Lynch told me uh, when I asked him about Jimmy Ward last, last August, uh, he said, you know, look, I dealt with injuries early on in my career, too, and I was never healthy. And a lot of people had questions about whether I was ever going to hold up in the league. And then John Lynch ended up having a really good career. So that's not to say that I think Jimmy Ward is, is John Lynch, but there could be something to the idea that maybe Ward finally gets his body right, puts on a little weight, uh, adds a little muscle, and then starts stringing together healthy seasons and then becomes a good player, somebody who was worthy of that first round pick. And I think we saw flashes of it, but it never really materialized because he struggled to stay on the field. So that's the biggest question really in the secondary when it comes to free agency. Um, I know we've identified, uh, I think, four guys that that would make sense free agents. Obviously, the first one is going to be Earl Thomas. A lot of people think it's going to come down to the 49ers and the Cowboys. Thomas is obviously from Texas. He's not returning to the Seahawks. Everybody remembers him breaking his leg in Arizona early last season (laughs) and flipping off the sideline. I think that was a pretty clear indication, flipping off the Seahawks sideline uh, after a ton of different contract disputes and discussions. um, I think it's pretty clear he's going to hit the open market and not go back there. Uh, Is he worth, you know, 11 million per season? He's going to turn 30 in May coming off a broken leg. Uh, I think a broken leg is easier to return to return from than like an Achilles tear, an ACL tear. Right. Um, so I absolutely think you pay Earl Thomas, 
you know, 11 million a season, maybe, you know, a three or four year deal with the first two years guaranteed. Uh, you're going to have to make, you're going to have to have your guarantees pretty competitive if you want to get him because there are going to be other teams like the Cowboys and the Chiefs, I would imagine, that are going to be willing to pay him. So if the 49ers want to get Earl Thomas, I would imagine it's going to be something like four years, 44 million with, you know, maybe something close to 25 or 30 million in guarantees, which would be fine. They have, they're going to have at least 65 million in cap space. Uh, when the new league year begins in in mid-March. Yeah, and he's just he's there there are people who will argue with you. I don't really agree with it, but there are people who will argue that he is the best safety of all time. Like he's an incredible player especially in this defense and it adding him shores up a lot of the problems the 49ers have uh in their secondary with communication issues and and lack of experience you you, you plug Thomas in there. He's one of the best safeties in the league and one of the best to ever do it. If you are going to pay somebody four years, 44, and let's call it 30 million guaranteed, that's the kind of player you're going to spend the money on. Totally agree. Um, yeah, it was pro football focuses, second rank safety only played four games last year, but just a really good player. Locker room makes a lot of sense. Uh, leader, obviously Richard Sherman knows him well. Uh, he would get to play the Seahawks twice a year, which I'm sure he would love to do. He could stay on the West Coast. Uh, it's not Dallas. Um, and obviously, California state income taxes are are a lot different than than Texas's. But uh, I think if the 49ers, you know, bridged that gap with with guaranteed money, I think Thomas would certainly guarantee it or certainly consider it. And uh, and he wouldn't mind rejoining Sherman again. So uh, the next guy on our list, another uh, NFC West safety, someone who's not as good. Um, but maybe with with upside potential Pro Bowler type type guys, Lamarcus Joyner, former first round pick of the Rams, uh, he played on the franchise tag last year after a really good 2017 season. He regressed a little bit, um, and the Rams aren't going to bring him back. But also, you know, another versatile guy, sort of like Jimmy Ward or DJ Reed, somebody who could play both in the slot and free safety. Um, maybe not going to command as much money as Earl Thomas, but he's certainly younger. And uh, wouldn't be a bad pickup. Wouldn't be a bad consolation prize if that's the direction they wanted to go. I struggle with this because I I think Joiner's a good player. I just don't know if a what kind of market he's he's going to have, and b if he's the kind of player I mentioned. Thomas is is the type of safety you want to pay big money to. I don't know if Joiner is that player. Like I'm not sure if Joiner on a big contract is better than uh Chikwaski Tart on on his deal. You know do, do you know what I'm saying? Sure, like, yeah. Uh, so so that one's that one's iffier for me. Like if they signed him, he's he's going to get the starting nod because they're paying him big money. I just don't know how much of an improvement he would be uh, especially for the deal he'll he'll likely command. Yeah, and he he just turned 28 in November. Um Oh, he was not a first-round pick. He was a second-round pick. Sorry, 41st overall. My mistake. Unbelievable. <laughs> he made uh, he made $11.3 million last year on the tag. Um, you know, 25 pass breakups. He only has one career interception, uh, which probably isn't going to... One career interception and, and two forced fumbles. I think, yeah, like you said, if the 49ers are going to make a significant investment in the secondary... Maybe they they get somebody who you know makes more splash plays and turns the ball over because we know how much of an emphasis that's going to be this offseason. So uh, Joiner 
is an interesting guy. One guy also similar in terms of skill set, probably a better player and also still really young somehow. And you, you said it leading up to this pod, like Tyron Matthews still only 27, but it feels like he's been in the league forever. Yeah. Um, Jeez. I've played the last couple of years with the Texans still really good. Uh, I guess the games where he just dominated the 49ers when he played for the Cardinals still just stick in my brain. Um, and he's another guy who can play in the slot or play free safety. I just really like the honey badger. And I, I actually think, I mean, I, I don't think this is much of a surprise, but he's better than he's definitely better than uh, LaMarcus Joyner um, and wouldn't be a bad consolation prize either if they don't get Earl Thomas. I also think I know he doesn't fit the physical profile, but I also feel like he can play strong safety too. He's just, he's such a versatile, uh, impactful football player that just, whenever you watch games, it's really tough to notice guys on defense. You notice your Khalil Max and you notice uh, your Earl Thomases. But I also, when I watch Tyron Matthew play, you recognize that he's on the field at all times. He's just always around the ball. He always seems to make plays. Like you said, in the past, he's, he's killed the 49ers. And we mentioned with Jimmy Ward how important that versatility is. It could be even more important with a guy like Matthew who can be on the field for all three downs. So again, I think if the 49ers set out this offseason to pay big money to a safety, Tyron Matthew is the type of player who who they bring in and and he transforms their secondary into something uh, better than than it was. Yeah, he was a first team all pro in 2015, five interceptions, uh, 13 interceptions in his career, four forced fumbles, seven sacks. I mean, he's just, yeah, like you said, he's always around the ball. And there were a few times when the 49ers were bad. I mean, particularly in that 2015 season when Jim Tom Sula was coaching and, and Colin Kaepernick was having the worst season of his career. Um, Matthew was just terrorizing the 49ers. So uh, maybe that stuff sort of sticks in my head. Um, but uh, we got one more guy on our list who I don't know exactly how he fits, but I think he might be a versatile uh, a versatile addition. Ha ha Clinton Dix. Uh, and a dynamite a, name. A very good name, yeah. Haha Glendix, former first round pick out of Alabama of the Packers, traded to Washington midway through last season. Uh, Pro Football Focus ranked him as the 22nd best safety. Um, like I said, he could play both strong and free safety spots. Um, Clinton Dix, 14 interceptions in uh, in five seasons. That's pretty good, uh, including five in 2016 when he was a Pro Bowler. Uh a solid player. I don't know if he's going to be worth the money for the 49ers just in terms of scheme fit and exactly how they view him. Um, I don't know if he's a true free safety or if he's better in the box. It could come down to how they really feel about Jaquaski Tart, who they signed to a three-year contract extension last offseason during the draft uh, after they passed on Derwin James uh, and took Mike McGlinchey. I think they didn't want to. They, they had that contract already already worked out. Uh, before the draft and then just didn't make it public and announce it because they didn't want to telegraph which player they were taking or at least which player they weren't taking, uh, which was Derwin James or, or Mika Fitzpatrick, both defensive right. backs last year. But uh, Clinton Dix, still only 26, uh, probably going to command a decent amount of money. But in terms of just fielding a good player, I, I think he would become the 49ers' best safety yeah, uh, if if they got him, and he's a guy who hasn't missed a game in his entire career, and that certainly has some value too. 
Yeah, he's an athlete. He's a playmaker. And once again, it, it, one of the guys that you just figure out where he plays. Like he's a good good enough player that you plug him into your secondary and you kind of can can build around that. All right. Anything else that we want to add about uh, about safeties? Any other thoughts before we wrap this thing up? I think it's going to be interesting how they attack the position this offseason and whether they prioritize it in the draft or, or in free agency. But I do think they add a player there. Yeah, and I think because they need a receiver, um, because yeah, I mean they had they have so many other needs because they need a linebacker. I just it makes a ton of sense for them to go and snag one of these guys in free agency because they have all this cap space. And everyone's talking about Earl Thomas. I I don't see any reason why people shouldn't be talking about Earl Thomas. There's really no downside in getting him. It's it's it would be a lot like getting Richard Sherman last year, but it would be better because. You know, he's he's coming off an injury that's easier to return from than a torn Achilles. And he fits the scheme perfectly like Sherman does. Uh, he would be a tone setter for the locker room. Everything the 49ers want, I think Earl Thomas embodies. So I'm just curious to see how, how aggressively they go after him and what type of guaranteed money it's going to take for them to land him. Um, but and, and, and if they do, if Earl Thomas is the ceiling of who they will go after in free agency, then the entire safety class is open. Because he is the he is the top available safety who's going to command the top money on the market, and if they're willing to spend that much on him, it, you you feel like that they'll be willing to shell out big money for for really any of the safeties. Right. So with that, I uh, I think we'll wrap it up. Kind of a shorter episode today, but we will be back uh, previewing the NFL Combine, which is next week. Uh, there's going to be a lot to talk about in terms of draft stuff. And the 49ers have the number two pick. They're going to be well represented in Indy to be sure. There are going to be a lot of guys to discuss. Uh, so thank you for listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get this podcast. Uh, thanks to our friends at the Blue Wire Network for hosting us, obviously. Uh, and we will talk to you guys soon. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.